Hey, Bastin. Jay and Silent Bob are coming to raid your fridge, smoke your weed, and make you laugh hysterically while they do it. How do you like them apples? Friday, October 7th at the Wilbur Theater. Catch Jay and Silent Bob get old. Grab your tickets now by clicking on the link at csmod.com. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. The Smonsters of Talk are coming to motherfucking Vegas. Jay and Silent Bob get old and Hollywood Babylon. Whether you want to snooch your nooch or give that penis a sandwich, the shenanigans happen August 12th and 13th at the Hard Rock Cafe, located right on the famous Las Vegas Strip. Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, and Ralph Garman are guaranteed to make you forget you just gambled away all your money. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon, August 12th and 13th at the Hard Rock Cafe in Las Vegas. Go to csmod.com for tickets. Yo, Red Bank, New Jersey. Jay and Silent Bob are going to snooch to your motherfucking nooch. I don't even know what that means. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater on October 8th. Special guest, tell them Steve Day. Get your tickets at CountBasieTheater.org. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater, October 8th in Red Bank. Word. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast. Where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Going to New York Comic Con in October? Well, Jay and Silent Bob are giving you one more reason to fangasm. Uh, you might want to clean that up. Friday, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Catch a live performance of the popular podcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Dust off that Batman costume that's three sizes too small. Or, fuck it, don't wear a costume. Just wear some type of clothing, because, you know, you don't want to get arrested. And get ready to enjoy a thick layer of gooey comedy jizz with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, live in New York. October 14th at the IGN Theater. 
Tickets on sale now. For more info, go to csmod.com. When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sooner way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. I took, I took a, I, I ill-timed my coffee sip. Ah. I, I was waiting to the end of the song and I took it and then I almost choked on it just before we started. But, you know, I made a, a version of that where I just took out the and the Dan, right? right? And then uh, I, I just play it every day at noon. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Myself. And then Whoa. I talk to myself for two hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> typical day of Marty U's life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nooner. That's You're, Dan Etheridge. Mm, and that was Marty U. Interrupting. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> he didn't want me to say, it's your two-hour titillating radio embrace known as Nooner. Ha! I said it. Damn it. it F right. U. Hi, everybody. F Welcome U. back. Dan, who doesn't swear because his mother listens to Fudge the show. you. Uh, we're here. It's Nooner. And guess what? Who owns... This isn't a question out there. This is a question, question for the it, room. He, for the question for the room. Uh, I'm a witness to this. Who owns a red Jeep Cherokee with a New York license plate? Uh, I believe that's uh, Alan and uh, Meg. Ellen and Meg and I hit your car. I see Dan pulling up. I don't know if you're in the, the house. I see him backing into a space, and I hear this clunk. It wasn't so much of a clunk. It was like, and it's not like it was a tight spot. There was nothing in front of you. Like, you look, just... I was I was concentrating on other things like parking. And no, you weren't. Because <laughs> had you been concentrating on parking, you would not. No, have here's the thing: is I'm, I'm sure I'm, if Alan and Megan are listening, which they 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 probably aren't. They've got they got things to do today. Things to do. But I tapped. I backed into your front bumper, and I, I looked at it. There's this little scrape right above the license plate that could have been my back spare tire scraping your bumper or it was already there if you would like me to get that cleaned or fixed <laughs> let me know you you know where to reach me and in fact you you could sabotage the had show. i done it james would be playing that oh, cue wow. yeah. yeah i know I where the yeah, i know that button out i'm, I'm gonna try to lay off that <laughs> you know just right. for, no but i see your your figure itching, itching to go over there itching to go over there <laughs> Um, one thing that occurred to me, sorry about that, Alan Megan. Okay. Sorry. I am sorry. Let me know. I can come up there with a nice chamois and probably get that <laughs> little scratch right off. It's not much of a scratch. It's like a light scrape and abrasion. If it would be a boo-boo in, in, mm-hmm. in band-aid work. It adds character. <laughs> um, so Marty and I, uh, need to talk live on the air. Yes. Cause that's, here's that's the why thing. we're here. No, I mean, you and I got to talk. Oh. Yeah. It's the, here's the thing. Is and I'm absolutely delighted with the show and our lovely fans. Uh, we, you know, and we premiered as as so, so many of the shows do are great at number four. We have clawed our way, we've clawed our way, and I'm so excited about this to number ninety two in the nation right. from so from number mm. four. All right. Um, now here's the thing: who's ninety one? I know. So and then, but after Lizzie Kaplan was on, we went up to number eighty five. Whoa! So I have two. Uh, Two trenchant analyses or two prongs of an analysis mm. over how we're going to claw our way further up this, up this <laughs> mountain that we made for ourselves. Right. Because we initially came down it. First of all, more women guests. I mean, it's just a shocking shame that, that we haven't had more women guests. And by the way, I mean, we should have had video in here because she, she was who? Just, we should have had video in here because she's radiant. She was, oh, she, she, was, she, was, just, she was luminous. Yes. I mean, she, she's, Lizzie is, is a non, she's like got the trifecta or smart, 
talented. Actually, more than that. What's the four things? Quadrifecta. Yeah. Funny as shit <laughs> and incredibly good looking. So we have to and will have more of that. That's the first prong of my analysis. Mm-hmm. Second prong, we got to talk a lot less about you. What? Yeah. I think it's the whole you thing. So we like, I, I, get, like, cut, I get like 20 words and, in and we're cutting that down in half. Hmm. I think that that may be, that, that may, that was, I, I looked deep within my soul and I said, what could we do to rise the ratings? Uh, you, and that is the answer that burbled up from my bowels. Are you sure it wasn't sort of self-congratulatory, <laughs> like pool hustling stories? Um, no, I think that was a charming anecdote. Oh, Maybe the, it was your terrible anecdote about us nude shower wrestling. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, that was the one that you brought up. You propagated that on the world. That just came, no, I was no, just no. a vessel actually, you for your that, anecdote. You you wrote that on that's a piece of paper. for your anecdote. Like that's that was like the anecdotes. one note that you ever brought that in shower for the show. Yes. Yeah, but it's like I say, I'm like if you're watching True Blood, I'm like that that woman in the coven. The witch is operating through me in those moments. The witch being you, Marty, you, less of, comma. Okay. So those are my analysis. Um, I, I, you know, let's just see how it if it bears fruit. <laughs> You're such an asshole. You're an absolute and total asshole. I came here, I was like, I've got stuff. And you're like, I got nothing. Well, then here, Mr. Nothing. I told go. you I had, no, I said some poignant thoughts. <laughs> no, you said you had a, a, a poignant thoughts. Poignant you thoughts. Said a, a five minute story. And the other thing I would like to note, and this doesn't, this I think is going to help, help the, the ratings or whatever you want to call them is that, is that James has a new look today and it is, he's really butched it up. Yeah. He's got a haircut. He's wearing like a, he's what do you got, call it, like a sports tank? Yeah, like a, a jersey. It's a King's jersey. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 a sports tank. <laughs> I say. <laughs> I deduce it's a sports tank. And, uh, and you've got some product that's been very well applied. Yes, very well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. well, now it's looking that's rough right. with the headphones, but yeah. So yeah, I think with, uh, with, let's say, a continued me, a butcher James, and a little less you, we're going to rock it to the top. It. <laughs> Maybe we should get Lizzie back in. <laughs> Hell yeah, I forgot. Add more women. That's what I, and that was the number one of us. So that's the actual only true thing because James couldn't possibly be more butch than he already is. Yeah. And Marty, we love exactly the amount we have of you right now. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I'm just staring daggers. We don't want any more or less of you. Do not worry. By the way, yes. uh, call your questions or opinions about Dan <laughs> and um, Marty. Or, or Tweet, tweet us to Nooner Dan Marty or uh, 323-645-8100. Yeah, very well done. Yes. Um, and just so you know, Ian, Marty and I have known each other for 25 years and have been uh, uh, bickering like this for a very long time. So I didn't start there this. Is n- you didn't start the fire? No. The This, this we will heal. Oh, okay? yes. If anybody's mm-hmm. out there worried, this is not a Nooner rift. Yeah, this is just a temporary moment where Marty's having to... Digest something and he'll, you know, <laughs> so digest it and move on. So the band's not breaking up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, 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 not, not yet. <laughs> and thanks for turning in a nooner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was your week, Dan? Uh, more, I'm less about me, more about you. Okay, very good. No, well, you know what? It, it's, we should, we should pimp our, our guest today, longtime friend and, uh, Hollywood's television's Rob Thomas, not music's Matchbox 20's Rob Thomas. Sorry to music fans out there. 
we but, asked him, he turned us down, so I asked Rob Thomas. But Rob, it, this Rob, uh, to his credit, is quite musical as well. That's right. He yeah, was well, in a band. Well, well, he was in several bands. He, was a, he played football, was in a band. There's we'll a get lot into of stuff it. We'll on. get into it. No, let's do it all now before he gets here. <laughs> you you <laughs> so, kill my Rob, story. Rob Thomas, if you were here... <laughs> What would you? Okay. Um, so yeah. So Rob Thomas is coming in. He did shows like Veronica Mars. Uh, He's one of the Eddie hardest Cuban, working men in show business. Him and him and John August, like really just. Sorry well, about that, John Enbaum. Left you off the list. I didn't leave you off the list. That was a Marty U list. Rob Thomas, John August. No, they have incredible work ethics. Yes. You're exactly right. That's how you get far in Hollywood, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I think Entourage make it makes it look sort of no work ethic is easy or barely any, but. People who like get up at six a.m. and work till eight p.m. Is it bad that I don't like that show? Ah, gosh, you know me. I hesitate to say anything negative, but I do not. uh, I I watch the show every week, and I no longer enjoy it. it. Did you see Jamie Kennedy this week? Yeah, Jamie's great. Yeah, well, that's because you produced a movie with him. I did not. I did not. I I was Jonathan King produced that. It was called Starfucker, and then they changed it to Starstruck. John Enbaum wrote and directed it. Jamie was in it, but I just sort of helped out unofficially. Oh. Which I don't mean that to make it sound like, oh, I actually produced and didn't get credit. I just helped out. I did second unit, did a little right, right, right. for John, anything to help John. Um, but yeah, no, I, I no longer enjoyed the show Entourage. And I can say that because I know everybody on Entourage wouldn't give a flying fuck what I think about Entourage. But no, I, I don't think the show. And it, James, do you watch? Are you, uh, uh, no, you know what? I never got on the Entourage. Uh, it's because you you're yeah. living the Entourage. I'm living the dream, yeah. baby. Yep, yep, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, I, I like Rex Lee. I heard he got a pilot. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I've never been um, – uh, yeah. You know, I don't – see, it's, I, I have a lot of trouble saying negative because it's so hard to get anywhere and people are always looking at – like I, I – some people say it's because I, I – okay, but frankly, some people would say, oh, Dan, you're being a pussy or Dan, you're a wuss or you won't say everything. It's like I just genuinely like seeing how hard it is to have any measurable moment of success unless someone is an awful human being. Or has done something personally to me, I get really loathe to take a shot at him just because well, I just don't like that negative not, energy. We're not taking a, a shot no, but at that's him personal. Cre- creatively, <clears throat> creatively, I, I no longer enjoy that show, and I haven't always been completely enamored of or convinced by Rex's performance on that show. For instance, I'm not a Matchbox Twenty fan, but you know, I'm sure Rob Thomas is very nice. You know, I guess it's funny because I because I have no affiliation with the music industry. I have no problem, and I also have no taste whatsoever. Right. I, like, I guess it's like because I sort of like feel like. Brothers in arms, even though they wouldn't feel that way about me. So I don't know. It's an odd fidelity to people who would probably not – or many people wouldn't have any fidelity in the way back. But so okay. there it is. Well, last week we started to get into your um, acting career. Or many people wouldn't have any fidelity in the way back. But so okay. there it is. Well, last week we started to get into your um, acting career. We decided oh, to go God, through right. it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're going to go one credit by one credit. Okay, brilliant. So that this, will uh, be done in three weeks. No, it looks like six <laughs> weeks. Six weeks if the show lasts that long. Because um, we talked about the, the theater stuff previously, yeah, yeah, but, but and then we hit Dogma, right? Right, okay. and so now yeah. we're at Clerks, the, the television, the, the uh, cartoon. Best experience, one of the best experiences okay, of my life. Okay, so how did it come about that... that um, that you would be asked, that Kevin would ask you to do a, a voiceover thing. Right. Well, Kevin is, if, like, he's incredibly loyal, and, uh, like, I see, I don't want to, like, uh, he's incredibly loyal, and and I appreciate the fact that he believed that I was very right for Mr. Plug. So there was no process. He simply called and said, would you like to do this voice? And what is the, who is Mr. Plug? Mr. Plug was, like, if you've seen uh, the the original uh, Goldfinger, James Bond, uh, Gold Goldfinger, uh, he was the a burly Asian right. super okay, medicine that's, that's, lethal that's sidekick at. that I what played the, an Asian. Yeah. What the f- uh, fuck uh, is Colorblind casting, Marty. 
ho ho, aren't you always talking about that? Well. Boom! Cast me. <laughs> um, so I played South Asian and I struck a, a championship blow for diversity around the world. Yay for me! I'm a rainbow uh, coalition. Give us a little taste of the, the voice that he, you, uh, you. Here's the thing about uh, Mr. Plug is that he was that, but he was also like super gay. So maybe there might have been a little that connected tissue for Kevin. I mean, not the super, but the gay part. So he, uh, so. The vo- he looks menacing, but then when he talks, it's sort of like a purse falls out. And what does it sound like? Well, I'm trying to remember, like, okay, LL, we've got two minutes until the Access Hollywood interview, that sort of thing. Um, so well, now I know why the show failed. Rude. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so I mean, I've, I did it better, but the thing that I loved about it is that, that I absolutely loved about it is that not being terribly comfortable with physicality, which of course is all important in the visual medium of film or television or theater, uh, the voiceover eliminated all of that. And I had a great experience because I felt like it was some of the better quote unquote acting I'd ever done just because I was released from worrying about what the fuck my body was doing in that moment. So, um, um it was, a, and then they would have you because I think they got for money's sake and any show would have done this. If you pay somebody to do a voice in an episode, you can do like, I think it's like up to three and you don't have to be the more. Right, right. So they'd always have you do like pick up like a line here for another character and a line there. Right, right. Since I'm not like master of a thousand voices, if you listen closely, you probably can just hear me doing some version of <laughs> Mr. Blood <laughs> and the other ones. Right. So. And every so often a little southern. <laughs> yeah. You know. I can do this, but you know, that's about it. Actually, not so I, much. I, not, I can't really. <laughs> but, but you do, you did what, four episodes, something like that? Uh, you know, I can't remember, but it was it, somewhere in that ballpark, four, four or six, it was great guys. David Mandel, who comes from Center Live, has been doing Kirby Enthusiasm and lots of success in movies and TV. And by the way, who we should have on the show? Mm. Really good guy. Um, and uh, uh, you know, and it, so yeah, it was, a, it was but, a great experience. And you didn't want to pursue it beyond that. Um, you know what i I had a humiliating moment that. See, I was a pussy. That I was, I lacked courage. What was the humiliating moment? Okay, here's the thing: is that there's two types of voiceover. Voiceover artists out there, sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but just my perception is, and some people do both or whatever. There's voiceover like it's a it's a car ad and the you know right. tundra can right. you know, and then there's voices in an animated thing. And I guess some people can do both, but then there's people and then who there's specialized. The, the, third, the third thing is now video games. Oh, okay. So yes, okay. So you know more than I do. So at the time, like I I used the fact that I was minorly well-known as a producer to get in the door and and i was on this abc show voiceover so it was easy to get a couple meetings with some voiceover agents but not knowing that there was a difference between the two type of voiceover and i just thought they so when they go into the booth and say let's hear how you sound they'd give me like a health insurance commercial to read i remember doing it right and and when i was doing it i'm like this isn't the type of voiceover i'm not that <laughs> voice that makes you come like you, you know, speak like a purse fell Aetna out of your mouth. Health insu- Aetna health insurance. <laughs> yeah. We're there to protect you. And nobody wants to buy health yeah, insurance. Yeah, let's Paul Lind, please. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. that's, yeah, that's my uh, icon in fantasy football is Paul Lind holding a drink with a scarf. So anyway, um, so yeah, so then after it was done, they'd go, mm, oof, that was really flat. I could have maybe called him back or one guy said, why don't you go put some voices on tape and come back? And I was so humiliated by the experience that I said, fuck it. Uh, maybe this wasn't meant to be. So, um, you know, bad on me because I would have enjoyed it. Not that I could have had a career. We, we'll have on in a couple weeks, Phil Lamar, uh, master voiceover. Incredible voiceover guy. And, you know, yeah, and there's a guy named Darren Norris who did like the Boston Team America. We'll have him on the show at some day. These guys are, I mean, when you hear them and you know, oh my God, I'm in, I'm in the room with a pro. Right. I'm in the room with a pro. So we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, I so I, I'm not trying to say like, boy, I could have had that brass ring if I'd merely reached out for it. But it is fun to be in the booth though, isn't it? It's, it is so much fun. And it is, I have more pleasure doing voiceover work. Which amounts to clerks. 
And frankly, I think it actually speaks to the the, the show is just doing something vocal. My chance without uh, worrying about you get a voice of physicality. Right. Though Marty, you would attest, I'm <laughs> pretty good looking man. <laughs> okay, um, so the was lovely. <laughs> looks like we looks like looks like we got a recall. <laughs> Can I do that? I said answer. Oh, air. Oh, boom. Okay. I think I like, got it right. Uh, hey, you're on uh, New Year's uh, What's your name? Where are you calling from? What's oh, sweet? Gone. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh. Idol. Oh, Daniel. Scared him off. Daniel. Scared him off. He won't say anything. What you say? I do. They're just genuinely <laughs> like <laughs> seeing how hard it is to. We thought it was Ralph Garman. Three, two, <laughs> who, by the way, is a masterful voice artist. Well, really, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Absolutely. Let me ask something about the the Tell Him Steve Dave show, mm-hmm. uh, which you know I heard a couple times. That those guys are fantastic. Is that we, we mostly get largely nice support from the Twitter fans, and occasionally someone goes. When when is tell him Steve Dave on? Even when it's not supposed to be <laughs> and, on. And why are they asking? And us? I figure that that is the needling of a show that they don't like, or they want it to move. Is, is that kind of what that is? Uh, a little bit of it's kind of a minor heckling. Yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah, minor heckling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I it, again, I I can't say anything bad about those guys. I wish I could, but I can't. They're great, and I don't know when they're going to be on. Nobody tweeted that, but I'm just trying to stave that off. If yeah, you're about to tweet something about Tom Steve, <laughs> I don't know anything about them. They're fantastic. Find them. Listen to them. Yay. Great. I just pimped their show. <laughs> I'm sure they'll do the same. They probably don't even know. They yeah. don't even know that we exist. Um, Number 92 and, and drop it like a hot rock. Oh. Drop it like a hot rock. <laughs> so, um, yes. Uh, the secret works, by the way. The secret works? Yeah. I don't know what that means. The, you don't the know secret the secret works? Is that like you don't a know book this, title? This, is that like a... Uh, 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 a song? You don't know the secret? Is it a poem? Do you know the secret? Come on. I don't know the secret. I don't know what you're talking about. James, do you know the secret? Uh, no. It's like that, that book that sold a zillion copies. Oh, like The Help. No, it's not a novel. It's a, it's a, like the, an Oprah thing. Like, you know, you, an Oprah thing. If you visual work with me, Dan. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> did you talk to me focus, about the secret focus. works? We don't roll your eyes at me. I'm rolling my, I'm rolling my eyes at Rob Thomas, who came in. And He's not right even here yet. He doesn't come in until 1230. Okay, that's right. He doesn't come in until 1230, but were he here, the, the he's writing, uh, writing disturbing notes and holding them in front of my face. Um, but he's not here yet. So <laughs> <laughs> if he were here, he'd probably take a Xanax and get an espresso from one of our charming folks here in the studio. Yes. Or take a lot of pills. That's a way too many. <laughs> that's um, a lot of cocaine oh, there on the table. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Okay. The secret works. Uh, well, no, me. it's about you, you. If you wish it, it, things will happen. And do you remember what I was lamenting last week? Uh, uh, lack of a girlfriend. No. Lack of a. You don't even. Lack of a clean house. Nope. Nope. My house is very clean. Not really. <laughs> you haven't been to my house in like seven years. <laughs> but I've been to your house ever the preceding seventeen, um, and it was uh, dog hairlicious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Okay, wrong. Lack of a <laughs> good haircut. I like your haircut. I'm Rude. Just, okay. Uh, what were you lament? No, no, tell me. I was just No, 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 no. I, Marty, I was just kidding. No, I, I'm no, just Marty. being crazy. No, 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 no. Less no, Marty. no. Please tell me what you were lamenting last week. Lack of a job. Oh, lack of a job. I was going to say lack of a job, and I thought Marty will think that's a dig. No, because that's what I said. Oh, okay. James remember. remember yeah, I do remember. Oh, I don't remember that. In one year. Okay. Lack of a job. So tell me how we can help. 
No. <laughs> you remember how this bit started? The I secret said, works. Yes. So what? You used the secret to get a job. Well, I said it on the air. I would like a job, and then I got a job. You did. You, yeah, oh, congratulations! Did. Right yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. What'd you get? I just I booked a UPS commercial. Fantastic. Nice. National. Uh, it might be national in China. <laughs> Bigger nation, more people, more, people more eyeballs, and clearly they pay residuals. Uh, well, no, uh, but it might, it might uh, air here. That's great. Yeah, did a couple. So, yeah. uh, that's good. great. That's yeah. great. Okay. Well, I'm glad that the, okay. Now I completely understand. I'm glad that the secret worked for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? I'd like to say something yeah, on the air. Yeah, I'm going to say something out there. Yeah. Can I say two things? Mm. Does it get greedy? Does the secret yeah, have start, a problem with, with multiple one. desires? Let's start with one and see where it goes. My first one was going to be nice, well, which was that I would like you to get another job. Okay. Okay. But let's put that aside. I would really like uh, Rob Thomas and I to have a great next four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting that secret out into the air. Um, do you want to get into this audition that I had to go through? Uh, yeah. Tell You're me about good. the audition. All right. So – you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not like Lizzie Kaplan. I don't have a stack of scripts that I read through and like choose which one I want to like, you know, go in for. Right. Well, you say that, you almost say that was, that was Lizzie's fault. No, no, no. That. I think it's okay. great. I think okay. it's, yeah, right. but I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah. Okay. This right. is the yes. other side you're, of things. Yes. So you're not a, you're not a chooser. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm a beggar. Didn't want to underline it, but okay. Yes. Right. So, um, well, that's what an audition basically is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why, but I didn't, I'm just saying I didn't underline it. Well, I feel I, like the I, more you talk about it right now, like feels like you're on. I, I just want to play. Okay, like, fine. Okay, you're, you're saying I'm you're a not beggar. a shooter. Not a shooter. Go ahead. So you're saying I'm a yep. beggar. Boom. <laughs> so I get called in for this sketch comedy show. I think, all right, you know, it's a big stack of, yeah. of mm-hmm. scenes, and <laughs> I'm listening. Oh, but I was giving those supportive grunts. No, not so. Supportive. Okay, I, that maybe maybe I'm stealing from Louis C.K. when I say that, mm. <laughs> doing a supportive grunt bit. Um, okay. So I, I get called in, and it's an incredibly racist bit, you know. Okay, and uh, and it's just like I'm there in the like I, I I think like do I do this? Do I like do a long duck dong thing? And and it's just like one of those things. I'm in the car waiting to go yeah. in, and uh, do you sell your soul? Do I sell my soul yeah, or not? Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. I'm like, well, it's not it's not Sixteen Candles. It is like a dumb st- sketch comedy show. Right, 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 right. And so then I go in and there's like nobody in the office, you know, just the casting director. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And yeah. it's like six or seven scenes and there's like, you know, really old jokes like the, the, the Chinese guy jumping out and, you know, who's supposed to get supplies and then he right. jumps out and goes, supplies! Oh, dear yeah. God. And so here's, here's, wow. here's one. You gotta, oh, Marty's just handed me a page. Okay, so am I reading Craig and you're reading Daniel? Yeah, and you gotta, okay. you gotta read the, the Daniel first Craig. Part. That's weird. Okay, so Daniel, an Asian fellow trying to exchange yen, talks to the teller, me, right, Craig. Right, right. Um, okay. Uh, yesterday, uh, 200, uh, but today it's, uh, 100. What, 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 why the difference? Fluctuations. Oh! Fluck you white people too! Wow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that, like, I'm wow. in there, and, and like, I've got seven. I didn't really take that in as we were. I even feel dirty reading yeah. that. Yeah, that's so this that, is an actual. That was an actual thing. It was like no, it's called inside joke. Is there any chance that this they know what they're doing here? They I, know they're. Doing I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but so like, context was, could be king. That's, yeah. Let's hope because otherwise that's god awful. Right. But there's seven scenes there, and and so I'm I. I just decide to go go all out. Sure, you're and an then, actor. Right. This is what you do. It's your trade. And like this the, is your whole, trade. the 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 camera guys just could not stop laughing. I mean, you know, because <laughs> you being super no, racist. because I was you know I was selling. Because you're it, funny. You know? You're gay. I get. And it. I was like loud and doing my yeah. whole long duck dong thing. And, yeah. And then 
so I'm feeling like, all right, well, you know, this is a stupid show, but at least I made someone laugh. And yeah. then I go out to the, the waiting room. Uh-huh. It's filled with Asian men and they're all staring daggers at me because like, you know, it's paper thin door. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like I just sold my soul. And I just walk out and I say, so that happened. <laughs> it was the most mortifying thing. Oh my God. You should have stuck brilliant. with the character and just walked out and <laughs> screw you. Yeah, screw you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, oh man. man you know what i think and i what everybody else is gonna think next show we need more marty you yeah. not less marty <laughs> we need more marty Lee. hey who's that at the door uh, oh, who's that at the door uh, at the door bang bang oh gosh i hope someone will let him in um it's very nice to welcome now to nooner He's going to put on some headsets and sit in a very comfortable chair um, and clear his throat. <laughs> uh, my pal and colleague, Rob Thomas. And no Twitter down. fan, James Anderson, not Rob Thomas of Matchbox You're 20 right fame, uh, but in fact, Hollywood's. America's sweetheart, Rob Thomas. <laughs> hardest working man in, in Hollywood. Right, second hardest working man in Hollywood. That's where we landed, America's America's sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, good. Good. And all of America does too. Welcome. Yes, welcome. Oh, when did you fly in? Uh, I drove in this time. Oh, really? Oh. I did. How long did it take you? I drove. I, 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 it took me two days. Uh, I bought from the, Austin. From Austin, I, I bought the fifty dollar audiobook to to book two of Game of Thrones. Sweet, wow. sweet, and it, read. it got me, uh, it got me all the way out here. Nice. So. Now, did you? I, I seem to recall you had an, you had an AC problem en route. That's the word. You're driving I, through the desert in the summer. I did, <laughs> and it, and and people are going to be. I uh, just uh, so anxious to hear about my air conditioning. <laughs> that's uh, that's why you're on the show. Okay, right, you know right. what? Then let's kind of. I'm just that doesn't. That doesn't <laughs> I don't have a good ending. My, my air conditioning died. I thank I, you for coming. That's Nooner for this week. I got a got a motel room and then woke up in the middle of the night and drove in the night. It was that's okay. the thing that's impressive is because you could do this. Is you got up at one a.m. and drove. Like I can't get up. Before before four, there has you're, to be you're good early in the morning. I mean, you, you're you're my early. peak. My peak it is, is in the morning. Right. You've, you've been a morning man. You get up and you write. You get up at like 4 and then you will write undisturbed from like 5 a.m. till 9.30 a.m. when the world starts infringing. Like before right. you do anything? Yeah. Yeah. Before I – yeah. It's a head clear. You know, I should just – let me do this briefly because there are – believe it or not, there may be some of our 300 million listeners who, who don't know uh, who you are. Um, Rob – you know, celebrated uh, young adult novelist out of Texas from San Marcos in Austin. And, uh, you know, came out to and TV. He created such shows as Cupid and Veronica Mars, co-created Party Down. And he, and he created Little in Common, which he and I are working on right now with, with Rob Cordry and Kevin Hart. Um, and uh, But the the one thing that you – like there's one more – there's one more accolade. We're sort of news breaking today. There's one more accolade to list oh, your, right. your, your list of achievements from your, your very own hometown. I, I'm going this, to, yeah. I, I've been informed this week that I'm going to make the Austin paper one of their top 10 lists. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Do tell. Do tell. I, I'm, they, um, uh, my business manager called me a few days ago and told me that I had a $2,000 water bill. Ooh. Um, that I had somehow managed to use 200,000 gallons in my normal size. Sea doesn't use 200,000 <laughs> gallons. And that, that was, that was disturbing, disturbing news, but, um, it became more disturbing, uh, the next day when the Austin Water Company got a hold of me and told me that, 
uh, that the local paper had filed a Freedom of Information Act <laughs> for, the, and I was number seven on their top ten Hall of Shame water abusers. <laughs> and, and do you know where the, the, the water went to? Like, no, no. In fact, but by the way, odd. let's focus on number seven for just one second. I mean, the capital of the state is there. UT is there. Up with these storied people at number seven, Rob right. Thomas. And I, yes, and, and I've seen this story. They do it all the time. I, so I've seen this story in the Austin paper and, I, and I've always looked at it like, who are these assholes? <laughs> Was there a cluck? Did you cluck? Uh, cluck, cluck? I cluck. And, yeah. and, and it's funny, you know, Lance Armstrong lives a half mile away and he, and he's always like top five. But Lance has like the six acre, like Disneyland grounds right. in front and of his house. I have cancer, a normal so size, okay. you do <laughs> normal have size house. incredibly lush croquet court though. <laughs> right. That, that you use like once a year. And the topiary. <laughs> about the, like in the shining, it's this ridiculous maze. It's really gorgeous. And the water park. <laughs> so, so there so two kids. <laughs> but, it, in, but, the, but it clearly is a mistake because just so that we don't tarnish your good name, this was a one-time only thing where you spiked into historic highs for no good reason. Well, I would think it, uh, this was the first time that I spiked this way, but they, the Austin Water Company has sent out people to my house, and they checked the meter, and they told me that, by the way, you're, you're on your way to a second month in a row at that total. Oh, wow. So I, I don't back. know. <laughs> <laughs> Clock. But, but we don't, there's no way. There's just, it's impossible. Number seven, there are a million people in Austin. There's no, I have a normal size. I have a normal, I have the same yard as everyone in my neighborhood. I don't know right, you, how this happened. You're not obsessive garden. You know, no. There's nothing going on. No. My sister's We make, have some brown patches there. It's, yeah. What do you think, do you, but could there be a leak in the, and or, then, or and the then we're going to move on to, like, to Hollywood it. stuff, right, but right, I just, right. could there be a leak in the house? I think there has to be, but we've gone around the, uh, no, in fact, no, the, see, that's the thing, the Austin, they turned, we turned off all the water in the house at indoors and outdoors, and the meter stopped spinning, which they say proves we don't have a leak. So you are effectively the number seven sub, right? And I just don't get it, because I've been to your house, and it is a lovely home, but it's not like open pearly gates, and not pearly, but and then you drive a mile down no. manicured line. It's, it's a nice house in a nice uh, middle-upper-class neighborhood, upper-middle-class neighborhood. Well, right? my sister's yes. making a documentary about water and the, the impending water crisis, or the current water crisis. So she, maybe, she wants to talk she, to the yeah, So when people come with pitchforks to my <laughs> well, house. And she, she won't film it, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, um, I guess I, I started out to say, wow, the Austin water board's really fucked, but I guess I end by saying shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> get out. I was going. No, with. Yeah, get out. I, I don't understand. I, I don't know it. Enjoy that glass of you water. Know, the last forty-eight hours, I've been on your side. Well, la- <laughs> last year, we we put we built a swimming pool last year and filled it up, and our water bill that month was a third of what it is now. We have no idea why this is happening. <laughs> well, Greta is secretly like turning on faucets. That's what I wonder. Is <laughs> like, like, oh, I like it if the water faucet's on at night when I sleep. <laughs> Literally, we're like thinking, well, last, this month we let our kids run through the sprinkler for 20 minutes. Did that do it? <laughs> shame on you. Shame. <laughs> so we have, if you haven't been listening, we have Austin Shame Rob Thomas on the show today. <laughs> no, that, they're kidding. Pride of Austin. Pride, Pride of Austin. Austin. Just so Pride we get this out, out of the way, um, we've gotten a couple tweets like asking if it's uh, three doors down. But the, there is a funny, you know, you did meet Rob Thomas, right? I've ne- I I got a note from the other Rob Thomas, right. um, but I never met him. But he did, you know, there for a while. Like I, I would go on. I, I, I someone told me this was true, and I I checked it out. Like you could go on the Matchbox Twenty 
uh, website and like people who are posting would post about my books on his website, not quite understanding that, the, that we were different people or that there was another Rob Thomas. And, uh, and eventually, uh, I, someone, a mutual acquaintance, uh, passed along a cocktail napkin from a wedding they were both attending. And it was actually, it was a pretty charming, funny note. He, it said something like, uh, Rob, if people come up to you and tell, and tell you you're great, let them know it's me. If they say your band sucks, it's all yours. <laughs> Classy. Perfect. Yeah. Classy. Still don't Classy like his music. Yes. Um, whoops. Oh, paper falling off. Well, um, so h- how did you two meet? <laughs> 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 um, well, let's yeah, the, the quick glib version of the story would be that we have like, two hours. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll go quick and glib. So uh, Rob was new, new in town, and that night met a, a, a really good uh, friend of mine at a party, and went back to, to her place, and they were just hanging out. And uh, I stopped by drunk to say hello. I and was there too, actually. Yes. I Marty completely was edited that out of You're my such mind. an asshole. <laughs> you, <laughs> really? such you were there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently Marty was there too. And uh, and Rob and I hit it off. Well, Rob's one of the few friends I have from socializing in L.A. Most of my friends are from either college or like an intense work experience. Rob and I would like I think I think we mentioned this before in the air. Like we we met in that that way, and then they, we kept having these sort of random but not feeling random events. Like we both showed up at like a Cinerama Dome Tuesday matinee of Galaxy Quest High to see it. And we're like, oh, it's you, like two weeks later. So we sort of knew that, like, maybe there's something in the cards that we should and be friends. wasn't that, like, the first day you moved to L.A.? Yeah. In, in, well, almost. It was – I had flown out um, – I knew I was moving to L.A. I, I, you'd lived there briefly uh, – here briefly before. I, I had, right. I had lived here for a year uh, working for Channel One uh, when – so I, I did get the the very swingers like experience of living in LA when I was broke and had a shitty job and would go out to those clubs that were it, from swingers, you know, small, yeah, yeah, like the, the Dresden, yeah. Dresden, yeah. the Dresden, yeah. the Dresden, Dresden, of course, where my buddies and I would talk to no one. We, we, we had, so, so just what our crew was doing. We, we right. had Bob, no... Marty, you, Dana, yes. Fridge crew. There was no Vince Vaughn in our, in our crew. Uh, Dan was our Vince Vaughn, which says, yes. yeah, says everything. Was, yeah, so that everybody went home alone. And so I did that for a year until I, I got a book deal, and then I moved back to Texas because it was cheaper to live and, and wrote books for a few years. And then I got a job offer on Dawson's Creek, which brought me back out here. And yes, I, we all met uh, the night that I arrived. But I, I had flown out to get an apartment, uh, and then I had to I had to fly back to Texas and pick up my stuff and right. move it out. Right, right, right. So it was that was uh, an incredibly serendipitous meeting because like Rob and I were friends for a while, and then we. We worked on Veronica Mars together, and he's, he really sort of helped me make the segue from features to TV, which which I adore doing. So, and we've done a lot of stuff since. So, that was a pretty important night in our lives. It was. In Wait, did lives. you guys do the short before? You did the short. That was that the first thing you guys no, that was on? An, was that the no? Because no, I think we'd, we'd been breaking we'd, story together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had worked. I mean, I think you convinced me to write the version of a movie version of Brad Sagat, or we had. Or maybe that's the first thing you read of mine. Or... Yeah, it was you had written a draft, but okay. you showed it to me. But then I think we 
I think that's where we really like, oh, this could be a productive development relationship. Right. And right. one of the great things is that, and I don't think I'm, like, I was in a fallow period in my career. And Rob, you were at your Fox deal and it wasn't as productive as you would like to have been. So there was a lot of downtime. And it was about that moment that we discovered that we really worked well developing together. So I'd go over to your house and we developed, I think, a, a feature. And, 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 and out of that, one of the things we did work on was the Veronica Mars pilot and, and, um, in, just breaking the story, I mean. And, but what was great is for a year or two, we were over your place batting story around so that, that's invaluable. Like getting to know the rhythms and that the taste and point of view are the same. It it would have been so much different if, let's say, he had liked me as a producer and hired me on Veronica Mars, but we hadn't had the two years. There would have been this learning curve. There always is about someone's taste. There's desire. Right, right, but right. thanks to those years. So, you know, lesson to those starting out in Hollywood. The, a lot of that time that seems maybe like you're treading water or, you, you know, a lot of the incredibly valuable foundations are being laid. Now, but, Dan, you're, you're not a, a writing producer per se. Uh, no, no, no def- so, definitely not. So I, how does that, <clears throat> that breaking story process work, Rob, like with, with working with Dan? <clears throat> he talks, I listen. <laughs> okay, next question. No. Um, you know, it's funny. We've been doing it this week in the, uh, on sort of a new project, and we've referenced it peripherally. Yeah. All right, no, no, not that one. Oh, no, a new one. Did, this is okay. yeah, just another development idea, right? And uh, you know, we just start out. You know, what is you know, what is the core concept? What is the tone? Uh, and I will often, you know, float trial balloons on ideas and see what Dan's reaction to them. Right now we're, we're thinking about this show with twins in it and, and doing a little bit of twin research. Um, yesterday we discovered that you know that identical twins separated at birth tend to have a very similar personality. Sure. Like th- that's what they share. With it. You can reunite them 30 years later and they have remarkably similar Tastes, pers- and, tastes and personalities, right. and and yet most television is built around an odd couple right, relationship. Right, yeah. So you think a twin, like they look just alike, but right. they're totally different. <laughs> and so one's like, in a Hawaiian shirt, the other one's in a <laughs> so pinstripe suit. I spent yesterday afternoon trying to embrace the idea of having two leads who were the same person and, and that these people would fight and banter and argue and right, that that right, would right. be fun. And Dan just kept batting it away. Just like, <laughs> right. Where's the conflict? Where's the contrast? <laughs> well, I will admit. He did not use that tone of voice. <laughs> but at, at a certain point, and I, and, I, and I know that we both know this as we're doing it, it's, it's like, it, it, it's case making. It's you know, as you discuss it, you either get excited about it and convince yourself it can work, or you get convinced by the other side of the argument. And you know, both of us will try to sort of really illuminate the pros and cons of right. any particular tact. And does it get true. Does, how spirited does it get? Oh, once in a blue moon, it's gotten spirited. But I think there's a, there's another thing which should ought to be said is like uh, you know, Party Down was a rare exception where like it helped to create that show. But but really, the, these are shows that Rob's created. Rob, so there comes a certain point, and you just have to. It's an intangible one. There comes a certain point when either like quite literally a decision has been made, or you can tell that's the way this is going. And there's not like a, right, right. Th- you know, I'm not a yes man. If I felt absolutely violently against something, I For would the twins. state that. No, but I mean, I would say that. But at the same time, there's also a moment where you see where someone is passionate about something or has found a route into it, and you may not see it yet, 
but I've worked with Rob long enough that I know that like, okay, now I know that he's seeing something here. Let's get on board that train and help make that the best it can be. Right. And that, that I think has always worked out. So that's sort of, it's a, that's a kind of a, just, it's, it's a finger on the pulse thing that one does. No, with, for part, party down, there were four of you in the room. Like, yeah, for the first uh, while. Yeah. 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 For quite a while. And that was, it was odd. Um, but uh, great. You know, I mean, it, it gets slower. Like the more yeah. people you put in a right. room, the slower, it uh, which gets. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. And I mean, cause you really, I mean, to, to build a consensus. Oh, yeah. To get four people on the same page or at least, you know, two and a half. To you know, <laughs> yes. to, to carry the day uh, was tough in a weird made. way. This might be almost like the twins in the sense of you have great similarities between John and Paul Rudd, Rob and I, in in senses of humor and outlook. Great similarities. <clears throat> so, in one sense, corralling us generally about the idea and and ultimately finding things all of us could sign off on. There was it could be successful because that foundation was there. It wasn't like four disparate people from other walks right, of life. Right. And at the same time, it just you know any four people can have real strong opinions about what's funny, what's not, what characters. And so like nailing down the the uh, the, the exact characters in the show, the plot, all these things mm. that 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 took a lot of. It wasn't arduous. It wasn't grueling in a negative sense, but it was it was arduous in a, in a positive sense if yeah. you can use that. And it was. It, it it was also odd in the sense that it was when the first time I had worked in a democracy. <laughs> you know, and, you know if, I mean, if you go to work on somebody else's show, when I worked for Kevin Williamson on, on Dawson's, Dawson's Creek, right. the buck stops there right. and you can make your case, but whatever he and says. And you were king of Veronica Mars. Yeah. yeah. I At the end of the day, I got to make the decisions sure. I, I think that's on that. Party Down was weird in that, a, you know, even when John and Dan and I did Temp, there was an odd number, so you could have a two to one vote. <laughs> and, and this, this <laughs> was a pilot that that did not get made, yeah, right? Yeah, um, but um, yeah, Party Down was it, odd, and it, there was a lot of coalition building and debate. Is, yeah. is that the? Do, do you think that's a the difference between one hour and half hour? Or is that just just? No, no, no I think so. you know. I think if you went to work on a you know a network half hour and you were the writer in the room, while there is there's more people contribute to each other's scripts more on a comedy. The whole sure. room will work on a script than a comedy in the x number of jokes per page, right? In a way that uh, that in a drama you have a little bit more autonomy. But um, I think we should be clear also. This was not because this would be a destructive force. It wasn't like Party Down was show by committee. That sort of negative phrase would be when there are too many cooks who, who, where you can't, you know, reaching consent, you know, people are just trying to assert fiefdoms for fiefdom's sake and watering right. down a vision. That's not the, that's not the particular case with the lack of democracy in party now. But I think in other shows where there may be a lack of democracy and not a shared similar taste, then that show can just get watered into. Yeah. I mean, it, it amazes me that like these shows like Friends, you know, where it is really by committee. I mean, you have the, the two, the two, Creators. I mean, would they have said it was by committee that friends? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they all sit in a room till two a.m. just working. But I mean, at the end of the day, if one of the two showrunners said, "All right, Ah, you know what? Moving on." This is. I mean, like that. It's that person who can say, "Okay, sure, debate is over." Yeah, we're we're moving along. Right. right. I mean, art by democracy just doesn't work very well. Dan and I got very excited about the name "Party Down" for the show very early. Yes, yes, and we had a hell of a time convincing. Paul and and John about it, and we kept we we liked the, the who, who like let's party right. They wanted let's party 
Right. And I <laughs> uh, see, I was it sounds so silly. Now. Well, the, the thing is, is like Rob and I were like par- party. Down, I mean, like the party down is so naturally it. The, the, the down is the right word. It, yes. It, down is the key word in party right, down. Right, right, right. It's like two words at war with each other. And we, Dan and I were so sucked into that. And the very first review the very first review and it was like a big review it was like yes. it was like it wasn't variety it was like the new york the, what was it it was in one of the new york it might have been variety or i don't know uh despite its what, lackluster title yes, or, yes, yeah, that, yeah, yes yeah. lackluster yeah. title it was like literally after that long debate the first words of review we read that show <laughs> but it would have been party let's party would have been much I, I do I still stand by party down but the, 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 the funny thing was that was one of the that was one of the very few decisions where it literally came to, I mean I don't think they ever said oh okay I just think they kind of Grinned and bared it. That was the one thing where, like, they really gritted their teeth and said, "Okay, call it party down." And it's like, it really, we're like a charming, okay, bon vivantism can kick in. Um, <laughs> which reminds me of my other favorite review, which and this, and I, I, I always joke about this, but I like, we have no problem that this occurred, and it's completely understandable. I mean, nobody knew who John and I were at the time. Barely anybody knows who I am. People will get to know John, I think, through free agents, but. And, and through Party Down, obviously, but it, but there was one great review from Australia where it said, "And a show created by uh, Rob Thomas, Paul Paul Rudd, and two others, right, right, uh, <laughs> like Gilligan's Island, you know, uh, like, you know and the, the rest." The thing that was offensive know? is they had the line space. <laughs> right, right. It's not like they just okay. We don't have enough space. They just didn't care enough to like, elaborate you, on who the two others. Do you remember were. in the first two seasons of Gilligan's Island, it would be and the rest? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. right. Instead, and then they finally yeah. changed it to the Professor and Marianne. Same thing. Just two <laughs> things. Same same amount of like song space. But maybe then you know? in TV world they were leaving. Open the opportunity that there would be some how, other cast. How could you recast <laughs> on Gilligan's Island? It seems like one place where it'd be a little well, tough to explain. I don't know. They they had people coming in and out all people the time. Parachute some parachute and and yeah. We could bring. Oh, Sherwood Schwartz, R.I.P. All right. Mm, yeah, there yes. we go. Um, so uh, it, the question I always like to ask our guests: What's next for Hollywood's Rob Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to shoot a pilot, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think we're shooting a pilot at, uh, at the end of the month. So that's next on the horizon. I, I mentioned Little in Common earlier. We're doing some reshooting of a shot at the spring, and we're going to do some retooling. We're just I'm just hoping that we can stay in a holding limbo pattern long enough for all of our competition to fall away. <laughs> Like so far, that's been our key strategy here on getting on the air. Just simply, lo- which, by the way, is a very real Hollywood strategy. Longevity. Right. Right. Stay around long enough and it might happen for you. We did, there's, Fox is going to have uh, allegedly a comedy block of four comedies. They've, they, I think it was that they had three shows and then there were three show, three additional shows vying for the one last slot. And last night, one of those shows, Family Album, apparently went away. So now it's down to, Breaking in and little in common, I think. Well, the uh, best I can tell. Well, they're going to be four slots, and so um, Raising Hope has a 22 episode order, but will also be competing with the two that they're putting on uh, the teenage daughter oh, one right. and new girl and new girl and the Christian Slater thing and us competing for three saying. slots. So there are four shows competing for three slots. And there's a chance, and not wishing this, but there's a chance that one of the other shows could not work. 
in the fall. Which, which could p- play into our longevity strategy. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. We just <laughs> right. outlast them all. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Well, so we're going to work on that in a couple weeks. going to be doing some retooling. Really? Are, can yeah. you use any of the frames from the uh, original pilot? Oh, yeah. Okay. A few. <laughs> right. A few. Asked and answered. <laughs> Shots of kids playing baseball. Oh, there you go. Yeah, stock <laughs> footage, title sequence. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, oh, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, but that didn't really. So, I guess that's what's next. That's what's next. What about any novels? Would you ever write novels again? Yeah. Um, I. I'm tempted to. They just don't pay very much. They don't much. pay that water bill. Right. They, they, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, another young adult novel could pay for three months of my water bill. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, I, wrote a, I wrote a pilot a couple of years ago um, for uh, for the CW. It's sort of a teens in space thing called Plymouth Rock. It, it's, it's great. I, that snide little chuckle there. No, Mark. I was just thinking. It's great. I was thinking <laughs> teens in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's great and should get on the air someday. Yeah, and uh, and I thought that would make a great epic YA book series. Um, but it's such a risky thing. Like, yeah. I mean. All the money on that is back in. If it's a hit, it's you're in great shape. But you know, a, a TV script takes me three weeks. A novel takes me six months, and to devote six months of my life to that tiny check right. would right, be right, risky. Right. And is it like, did you when you started writing? Did you think that like money would be that like motivator? I mean, um, no, no. In fact, you know, I mean, it's this. I'm sure it's true. <laughs> It's one of just a truism. Like when I remember when I started writing, uh, I remembered thinking if I make $100,000 in a year, yes, I will yes. not need to make any more money. I will be the most happy, content person. I can't even, I can't right. fathom. You would have made it. I can't, I, that, that means that I made it. My parents were both, you know, school teachers. Right, they right. didn't make that combined. I, that felt, yeah. that was the luxury mark that if I, I'd get a car. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know. Yes. I, yes, um, I recall when they hired, uh, the first movie, Jason, and I did Biodome back in 95, MPCA hired us. And I think I mentioned this oh, before, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, Brad Cavoy is an interesting fellow, uh, but did start my career. Uh, he, 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 I don't think he wanted me on the movie, didn't want baggage. So he was doing this to be dissuasive of me actually producing the movie. He came and said, so I'm going to pay you $5,000. And in, me, who's eating ramen noodles and right. never seen a before check over 500, the before he finished the sentence, sold. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, five, I have struck the mother load. I'm rich. I mean, I was on cloud fucking nine as I drove over. Five thousand dollars. It was great. That was that was my first book advance for oh, really? Rats I God. Was five thousand dollars. Boy, you get that taste. <laughs> so, but uh, at the same time, though, like th- that can be you can be incredibly productive having that pressure on you, right? Like uh, of a mortgage and and like your kids well, going to college. And, yeah, I would think. Yeah, but you know, it's not always the right kind of pressure, and it's you know what I'm dealing with now in my life like a large part of the reason i moved back to texas was to simplify my life get it smaller so that i don't have to feed the beast so i don't have to take big network tv jobs that pay top dollar so that i can do things like party down and there are a couple sort of smaller cable ideas uh that i've had and you know every time i think i'm out 
You know. My Pacino, right there. I, you know, the funny thing is, I was gonna. I gave that setup line with absolute confidence that I would not have to finish it. <laughs> I, I knew. I didn't think you were on it. I think, you had, I yeah. think that James was on it as well. So Troika. That's why yeah. you're a successful writer. Yes. <laughs> well, it looks like one of your projects got leaked. Uh, our, one of our faithfuls, Fridge767, oh, yeah, says, good. Watering Down, new show coming this fall, created by 7th Worst Water Waster in Austin, Rob Thomas. <laughs> is, so, that, is that true? That's, that's on Twitter. Oh, it must be true. Watering Down. Watering down. Oh, watering. Okay. <laughs> oh. Hey, I, I thought that he was actually tweeting the newspaper headline and then it was out. Yeah, Good, no. because, because Twitter, it, I, I wasn't satisfied with just Austin knowing. Yeah. The, 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 the Twitterverse needs to know. You know this does broadcast live. Yeah. <laughs> there is no editing of Nooner, I'm afraid. Um, okay, but do call in if you have any calls. And Robert, I want, and I say this, to, maybe you've heard this if you've listened to the show. Have you ever listened to the show? I, I've heard I've listened to more in. episodes of of Nooner than I believe that you anyone. care to. No, <laughs> I, I've probably I you know I download the podcast, listen to them in my oh, car. That's yeah. great. Well, Occasionally thank you. call in, tweet in. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, then you know that we don't often get callers, so you won't feel bad if there aren't any callers. Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay, totally yeah, yeah. Three, two, fine three, with that. Six, four, five, 8100. I just don't want and you to get hurt. Take for this. I am interested. I can't wait to get Marty's softballs. I don't, by the way, I'm keeping my eyes on it. We got six minutes till Marty, but you know what? This feels like a very good time. And since you're anxious for Marty's softballs, let's do it. All right. Oh, did I catch oh, you? Guard oh, oh, but I want to oh, answer right. a, a softball question from four weeks ago. I, 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 do, we that, do, as, I do, do we do it as a pre-ball? No, sure. I, no. I'm going to pre-ball myself. Okay, it's your okay. show. You can pre-ball <laughs> as much as you want. That's a new, a great new bit for every guest. Um, movies that made me cry. <laughs> uh, this was a, a excellent. Bit, yes, I think Max Greenfield was on for movies yes. that made me cry, and this is the funniest <laughs> version of that because I was I was homesick and I had I, I don't mean I was homesick I mean I was at my house and I was sick and I had all these screeners stacked up that I thought I would start going through and I'm a big <laughs> Paul Greengrass fan and sure, sure and I I had loved Bloody Sunday yeah. and I knew that he had done that new movie United 93 right right right, right. and and it was in the pack of screeners and i put it, i put it in and and to if anyone had caught me at my in my house i i was bawling i mean bawling <laughs> right, sobbing right, right. as these passengers were calling their loved ones and having these yeah. conversations yeah. i was i was a wreck and i kept but i kept saying to myself god this doesn't feel like a paul greengrass movie it's stylistically it's so different it's not what i expected at all but god emotionally it could not have worked but i i felt just a, a big hollywood movie reduced me to to rubble and then um and then i realized when i ejected it that i was actually watching the lifetime movie <laughs> <laughs> flight 93 <laughs> <laughs> Same topic. Reduced you to, to a puddle of but, but, tears. But ruined I, you. I swear to God, if you showed it to me again, I couldn't sit. It, it, 
<laughs> I mean, it wrecked me. What did you think of Oh My Breast? <laughs> the Lifetime <laughs> two-hour movie with I think Meredith you, Baxter Burney. I think Bernie. he yeah. <laughs> a, a, a note or a card to Peter Markle, the director of uh, uh, Flight I, 93. Peter Markle, if you're listening, and you must be. I am a fan. <laughs> I am a good. fan. So that's, Can I tell you my Meredith Baxter Burney story uh, sure. since we brought her up? Uh, uh, great. Because our fans love nothing more than a good we well, bring in one in every show. Um, <laughs> I, I went out for a while with her niece and, um, <laughs> and we were at a family gathering at the beach and the relationship, uh, had been fraying. It was, <laughs> right, right. it was the end it was nigh. Um, <laughs> and, and so the entire family, the entire Baxter family was gathered around as we're picking hot dogs off of tables and filling our plates. And, and she turns to me and in front of the entire room says, so are you boyfriend and girlfriend or what? <laughs> and it was, <laughs> It was one of the most uncomfortable five seconds I've did, ever Did you pause and say, what? Because <laughs> did you just, or did you just point at her and go, lesbian, lesbian? <laughs> because I knew two seconds into my deer stare that no answer was, was, going, to, was going to trump. And the longer, <laughs> the, right. the longer the time goes by, the, yes. yeah. But well, she did come out as a lesbian, just for who? the record. Who? The niece? I didn't think MVP. you were just... Calling her that. Yeah, like, no, it, it, it didn't seem like a real. Oh, no, I was M talking about Meredith, uh, right. MBB did? Yeah. Didn't know it. I gotta keep better that? tabs on my community. We, you said that like, <laughs> I knew it. I, I, I feel like you're more dialed in than I am <laughs> to pop culture. I'm not, I'm not, it's not you a, get, you don't need to get to defensive. Now, th this, this comes up pretty, pretty regularly. <laughs> um, I'll change the subject. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay. No, um, and Dan's addressed this before, but maybe you might have a different. Is take. this a softball? No, no. Oh, okay. This is a from the Twitter sphere. Oh, great. Uh, Larissa or Larissa on Twitter asks, "What's the poop on about the Veronica Mars or Party Down movies?" We actually did softballs. Okay. Well, the I'll go first with. The tough thing about the Veronica Mars movie is no answer is is right. Um, the uh, you know there was I have done my best over the last few years. This I have not tried to be encouraging in any way, but I always get asked that question, and you know I do have Veronica Mars as a Google alert. Uh -huh. And so the other day I'm I, I you know I I the headline in the little Google alert is. Will Rob Thomas shut up about the Veronica Mars? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you, I know because you like you literally cringe when someone asks the question. No offense to the question, no, no, no. I mean, it's asked so often, yeah. and, and it's, the answer like is always the same. The desire is there, the funds are not right. You know? And I'm sure Michael Sarah feels the same way, and Jason Bateman feel the same right. way about the, the you know, so their that, show. Be the answer. You know, and with Party Down, the desire is there, and the possibility maybe right, and like everybody's. Everybody's on board, but it's a question of timing and money and all that. Yeah, stuff, right? I, I would just say we, we you know, we're, we're exploring. So <laughs> there we go. Well, I was you asking, know what? That's you know. a good segue. Hmm. Take it, James. Coming at you in threes. Gonna put you at ease. If you like it raw, well, tough. You can party shout out. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. I actually, I, as I was listening to it, I thought I was going to get one of the other versions of the Nooner song. Oh, no. no. We'll do one later on. We'll do one later on. But yeah. thanks to Brad Stark. Again, great, great, great yeah. theme song. Um, all right. So, Marty, take it away. All right. Um, when you were a young adult, what was your favorite novel? I, huh. If one I think I know the answer for you. And we try, I can try to do, do you remember what I'm, I'm what do you think my answer is? Well, maybe you were an adult, so I don't know if I could say because I was a young right. adult, but you'd always like Youth and Revolt, and I don't know at what point I, that came I did, I loved Youth and Revolt, but I think I read it in my mid or late 20s. It's one of my right. favorite novels about uh, a teenager. In and clearly, where, where the red fern grows. <laughs> <laughs> sounder, sounder, old yeller. Although all of those books, talk about reducing me to tears. I remember finishing, I was one of those two. Might have been weird. They were in the backseat of my car. My mom was in the drugstore, and I just started crying uncontrollably <laughs> in the car. It's, and people were looking at this kid left in the car, bawling uncontrollably. It was awful. how can you not cry? I mean, I it's just like it's the it's a red thing. fern and it dies. Yeah, yeah I um, I, I I didn't read uh much young adult fiction uh, when I was that age, and when I when I was went to the University of Texas, our um, I was training to be a student teacher, um, our advisor had us read young adult fiction and, uh, and I read Judy Bloom forever because I had heard that was <laughs> the most banned book. And that, and I actually read more young adult as an early 20 something wow. than I, than I did. And I, and it was fun because I did, you know, like I became a Chris Crutcher fan and, uh, and he, um, Blurbed my first book, which was great. That's Paul awesome. Zindel. I was, I was gonna say, wasn't Paul Zindel like kind of the in vogue, like yeah. kind of pushing the envelope guy? So, forget the big one that I am the he, cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And so it was a genre, like a, a. I mean, now it feels like you know you've got like there sub genres within young adult, like, right? You know, like, zombies, and also like you know thirteen and a half to fourteen and Sex three quarters, fiends. and yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't quite as refined back then, right? As a marketing sort of. Well, you know, I, I like I knew that, you know, because when I started writing young adult fiction, I I wanted to be, you know, the rumor was, and I still don't even know the truth that that those R.L. Stein horror books, which were huge right. back mm-hmm. then, like he was making money hand over fist, and they all had his title, his name on it, but the rumor was he had written, like, the first two and then farmed them out. Mm. And I remember thinking, I want to get on that farm league. I, like, I, <laughs> oh, I, I want to be some, on... <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll write one of those under R.L. Stein's name. I mean, like, all the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys were... I, mean, I remember being fictional crushed when I when heard that. Crushed! Because yeah. I devoured them as a kid, and then to find out there was just a factory. Right. And had been since... There was a great New Yorker article on it, but I think had been a factory since, like, the 30s. It was the Model T Tea. It was the first one, and it dated back to them where they were having people, you know, do it, just farming out these books. It right, was, it like, kind of created the idea of farming yeah. out a series, like Barbara so. Cartland or something like that. No, I, mean, I don't know who that is. I but, did yeah. romance novels. I okay. did get, um, oh. I did get on to that. I, I didn't get one of the R.L. Stein books, but my the best gig of my of my twenties, uh, or up until that point, you know, because I, I had. You know, I'd been making eight, like my first year of teaching high school, I made eighteen thousand dollars, and um, and uh, when I first started writing young adult adult novels, and my book advance was five thousand dollars, I was trying, 
like I was living on nothing, on right, nothing. Right, right. I had rented out my garage and my other room, right, you know, right. so my rent was paid, like I was living on nothing. And, and I got this gig through HarperCollins novelizing X-Files episodes. Like they, they would repackage the episodes as teen books. They were like 120 pages long. And it's really how I learned what a television script looked like because they, uh, what they would do once they hired you is they would send you a VHS of the episode and the script of the episode. And then your, your job was to turn that into a young adult novel without, without interfering with the universe, with, with the universe and, right. or any, and, uh, and when you broke it down, it didn't equal a 120 page book unless you right. really wanted to stretch um, like, like dialogue, you know, like <laughs> dream sequences. <laughs> so they're, they're, like, I would get these episodes, and you couldn't really t- touch Mulder and Scully. So, like, I did this episode where there's a killer, uh, like a shapeshifter killer, and he's at a golf court, like at a golf driving range, and there are these three Asian businessmen you know, hitting balls off the driving range, and he ends up killing one of them. I wrote entire backstories for the Ah. business relationships. (laughs) The plane from Osaka landed at LAX. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it gave me three extra pages. But the the joy of doing that, they paid me $7,500. Well done. I didn't wonder what was happening there. (laughs) They paid me $7,500 each for those. And I could write them in a couple weeks. And yeah. so in, you know, I got three of those in my first year. It was more than I made teaching high school. I could make, which in, is like, it's so, I mean, that's a crime, right? It's a right. crime. Yeah. And all three episodes, uh, interestingly were, uh, episodes that were penned by Vince Gilligan. And mm. a couple of years later, I have a development deal on at Fox and every day I would walk by Vince Gilligan's office and I, and I wanted to eventually thank him for like, getting me through the lean times, but I thought, oh, that's so dorky. He's not going to know who novelized his <laughs> X-Files episodes, and I, he could be a dick. I, I, But finally, I just I knocked on his and, bungalow and door. Was he still doing <laughs> X-Files at that point? Yeah, he was. Uh-huh. Maybe it was around the end of the X-Files, but, um, but I knocked on his door, and he was in there, and I introduced myself, and I said I wrote these. I wrote them under my dog's names, so I wrote them as Everett Owens. Um, <laughs> And, uh, he had them all on a bookshelf behind his desk and he had me autograph. Oh, that is so books. fantastic. And there is not a bigger Breaking Bad fan than I. And I have, I've, I've sent the most just over the top fanboy emails to Vince over the, like every year I write two or three to him. Oh my God, your show is so good. <laughs> but deservedly, that yes. show is so damn good. Yeah. Um, it's nice to hear. Isn't nice to hear when someone isn't a dick that yes, you yes. genuinely like. And uh, what did you think of uh, Forever when you first read it? About, uh, Forever is a coming of age sort of sexual awakening story. Well, it wasn't as like sh- like the, oh, this is the thing you shouldn't read. It's R rated, right? The, I mean, the thing that made that book notable, like there had been sex in teen like, books, but it this was like the first one that teen sex that seemed to be healthy and without consequence the the, the <laughs> right. like the the girl it's being told from the first po- point first person point of view from the girl and you know she has sex with a guy and she doesn't get 
pregnant and she isn't emotionally scarred and she breaks up with him eventually. Not that he's a bad guy. She just moves on to it. It's like, this is how it really probably happens for for most people. I think that was the revolutionary thing about right, that. Right, right. See, I, I just went to the, the library and I just would flip through the pages to that sex scene and just be like in like some corner and just reading the, the two big sex scenes. See, we, we live different lives because I would go down to the conservative Virginia Beach public library. I would stealthily, this is like, I remember doing this, which now is a weird timeline to me. It was like eighth or ninth grade. And I would look up the word like gay in the card catalog and, like, <laughs> and there'd be like one book. And so I'd take like an hour of kind of looking down the aisle at the other books, <laughs> pulling out different books, happen to pull out that book. And then inevitably it would be like why you will die soon because why, why, you're gay. I, <laughs> and I, 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 was, <laughs> why I pictured you getting a slushy in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will own Except it. Dan can't I will sing. Own it. Yeah, I was definitely a slushy in the face guy. I was definitely nerdtastic. Um, um, I, I did do a, a musical version of Forever that, that uh, Gerald McClanahan wrote and directed. That's right. I saw that. Yeah. Very yeah, fun. We, we, Very fun. We, uh, I mean, it was more of a, a satire, um, you know, bell bottoms and all that stuff. Good times good right. times softball number two softball number two um what was the most memorable play of your football career oh i know the answer <laughs> all right so, <laughs> so, 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 wait, like, wait, so how, do you, how do you know uh, the because back. you play it all, oh, all yes, the time yeah, a little, yeah. little backdrop you literally have shown right, it to so me you, you had a football but, scholarship right but by the right. way just so that doesn't sound well, catty i love watching it every yes. time so that is actually not true, and okay. so if somebody wants to correct, although I've enjoyed reading it on my Wikipedia page, um, it, <laughs> I, I went, I walked on to play football at TCU. At the end of my sophomore season, they offered me a scholarship, but I decided to grow my hair long and be in a rock band Ooh. instead. So I, I left. But um, yes, I mean that that yes, That's a cool it? play. <laughs> uh, I my what, what one position? big moment. I, I played tight end and. Um, I was a second string tight end, but I was on all the special teams. And so my one big moment, um, at TCU was playing against Kansas State and they faked a punt. And I was actually like right over the center, but I saw the up back run out into the flat and picked off, uh, this, um, fake punt for an interception. And the glorious part was that you know, they put it on the Jim Wacker show, like my coach's show. And so I have that bit of videotape that even right now is on my iPhone and I will occasionally. <laughs> right. Because it was, it was my, it was my moment. Did you put it on YouTube? Uh, I didn't. Right. Oh, oh, suddenly, oh, suddenly, like, search, look for it. for tomorrow. Um, and the, then the, the funny thing, you know, the girl I was dating at the time, we were going to a party after the game and I've done, you know, it's like six games in the year. What I've done, I haven't had many key plays, you know. Uh, it, this is my shining moment, and I pick her up, and we're in the car, and we're driving a long way, and she says nothing, and says nothing. I think, well, she's she's fucking with me. I mean, this is, <laughs> she was at the game. She's sitting with friends of ours. How? Right, because I saw, the, 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 the stands are raw. Everybody goes crazy. It's a big moment. But she literally, we finally get to the party, and I finally say, so you're, you're just... You're not going to say anything. You're not going to say anything about the biggest night of my athletic career. And 
And she had no idea. <laughs> but we and she was in, a cheerleader, which we, is crazy. We walked into the party. And, <laughs> not, not really. Uh, all my friends had Rob Thomas for the Heisman uh, <laughs> stickers that they had put on. So I, I did. They at least had seen. Did it. So, she put out? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. If only she had seen that play. Um, you don't, you don't then, have to answer that any further. And then my, um, and then a good buddy of mine, my, a buddy from my freshman year, um, who was a, a college sports writer, had transferred to UT the year before and went to work on, you know, at the Agate sports desk. You know, like does all the box scores and all that. And he, he saw the box score come in with my interception in the Austin paper. Um, but we had an all-American cornerback play, uh, playing for us at the time named Sean Thomas. And I, he knew I played offense, all-American cornerback. He fixed the AP story so that it read Sean Thomas with the interception in my hometown paper. So you see, the Austin paper never cuts me any slack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is that the Austin statesman? Yes. Not yes. behaving like a statesman. So right. to get back at them, you turned on all the spigots. <laughs> yeah. So uh, wait, did you return for a touchdown? Or? No. 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 And did you guys win the game? We did win the game. All right. That, yes. That's it. Yeah. Okay, very good. All right. Softball number three. All right. It, by the way, that was that was interesting because is that that I feel like was a – and I liked it. That it was targeted it, softball. It was a targeted softball. Normally, they're not biographical in Pos- nature. Th- yeah. We uh, just yeah, – Sure. Uh, this is, uh, now I feel like a dick. But when, when asked the question, I, my junior year in high school hit a ga- a buzzer beater to beat the state champions. It, so that was, it, that's I, actually I, what flashed into my football. Okay. Well then, when you come back, we did strike that answer. come back, we'll get, <laughs> we'll, we'll get basketball. The, and right. I think that, that would be basketball. Right. That would be basketball. That would be basketball. Yeah, were you were a two sporter? I, I was. Uh-huh. I, um, go ahead. All right. Uh, who is your favorite director not living? Hmm. Oh, man. Cecil B. DeMille. Lenny Riefenstahl. <laughs> well, that would be awful. Yes. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a quite a, that's a, yeah, take, it takes a moment. You can it, take a moment it, to it gather does your take thoughts. take a moment. You know who popped into my head, and this is just a traumatic experience. It was a tra- traumatic experience for me was, in the middle, like I was in the third year of my four-year development deal at um, at Fox and had not gotten anything on the air, and they were desperate times, and I'd had a couple epic failures, and uh, but I had a pilot set up at ABC um, that they had adored the pitch, they adored the script, that I'd gotten almost no notes. There was no doubt that this was going to be made. And I was working with like an A-list feature director, which also sweetened the pot for them. And we were about a week away from the announcements, maybe two weeks away from the announcements. Um, and I got a call from the studio that my directing partner, Ted Demi, had died oh, um, at yeah. age 38. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Jonathan Demi's nephew? Is that right? yeah, yeah, he directed The Ref, which was sure. a movie I adored. Kevin Spacey? Um, Dennis Leary? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a, you know, I was – that's – yeah, I remember that was a, t- a tough blow oh, all that's, the way around. The yeah. um, I think just switching gears. I think I would. Or did you have a director? Hal Ashby? There you go. You knew. Yeah. Well, I, I I I have a short list of. Dire- oh, were you going to say that Hal was, Ashby? Yeah. 
You were going to say Hal Ashby. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say. Oh, I thought, I, you, I, no, I was going to say what floated through my mind was Altman, Lumet, Pacula, but I'm going to go with Hal Ashby. That was literally the sentence I was waiting to say when you picked so, your article. And Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. This directed is unbelievable. This, this is why, this is why, this we, is why. we work together. Right. Unbelievable. Everybody. Literally. But Hal Ashby, I mean, like, last detail. Came, last detail, coming Harold. home, Harold and Maude being, being there. there. But, and my favorite, I mean, there's also Bound for Glory. Shampoo, which I just that movie I can't get over how unbelievably now, amazing. But why? That why do you guys? Why do you like him, Rob? Um, that is unbelievable, by the way. It it, it is because un- you and I don't think we've ever had an Ashby love. I mean, it's not like we've talked about Ashby. I don't think I mean, we we haven't, and and it's almost unfair. And now I feel guilty for all this. I was I, I had a very short list of directors that I could I could remember who were dead, and I have a short list. <laughs> I'm not I'm 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 not a big like, and I know this is a debate. We I'm not a big '70s movie right, 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 right. guy, but yeah, I mean. That's, Harold and Maude, I can't shampoo. Believe that you and I have yeah. never talked about that. It was yeah. yeah. I mean, the, shampoo just, is the most. If anybody out there has not seen it, uh, it is a movie that w- would never get made today. It's a lot of seventies movies. It's a, it's a romantic drama about a rake, Warren Beatty. It, it's it is incredibly scathingly funny, wait, and yet it, has you know a what? serious I think core. In- influences me on like one of the reasons that came to mind that has very little to do with the movies themselves was what was the tell-all book about. Peter Goober and um, oh, was it Raging Bulls? Yeah, Raging Raging yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulls. I I could not put that book down, and I came out of it just digging Hal Ashby the guy. <laughs> yes, um, and it was always such a shame because he kind of as in the eighties when you know the the studio movie t- templates started changing, and I think there wasn't his room for Hal Ashby. He, and then he also got a coke habit. He just descended into not you know like un, 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 unproductiveness and then death. But God damn the movies. Yeah, I mean, I would say Harold Mudd is a good entree into it. It's very accessible, very funny, and it, it's up and the time. incredibly dark and interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's and one excellent. day, we, you know, we're pals with Bud Corp. One day, we hope to have him on the show. Bud Corp played <laughs> Harold. But anyway, um, go 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 see Shampoo. Uh, let's see, John Pavlich. His answer would be John Hughes. Done with oh, that, you know. Oh, know. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, we got a question from Sean Francis. As an artist, is it frustrating to have people who love your work, especially Veronica Mars, but won't stop asking you about past projects? I, um, the I'm flat. I'm I. It, it does. I I love it that people care. Uh, it means a lot to me that there's an active Veronica Mars community. I. I love having the hypnos cachet of party down. I love it. It feels great. Just I, I the will there be a Veronica Mars movie question uh is tough because I because I neither want to uh raise people's hopes or promise something that I don't think thank you that I don't think uh can be delivered or will be delivered. Um but I also want people to know that I'm on board if it were possible. Right. And, and, and so it's, that question is tough, but the people wanting to talk about those projects, I'm really, I'm proud of those. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I love having done them. So what happens, like the, the Ted Demi project, which I imagine was uh, excellent and well received. What happens to, to that? Well, that, I mean, interestingly, two things happened in that, in that week. Um, uh, but, I mean, the awful news that Ted Demi had passed away, and then uh, a few days later, Stu Bloomberg, who championed right, our project, yeah. was fired at ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in Susan Lyon, who 
uh, sort of looked at her schedule and said, we've got this great Herskowitz Zwick show, family show, uh, once and again on the air that we can't get anyone to watch. Why would we do another family show? And the project died like no. that. It was a crushing. And do they, does um, ABC own that then? Um, they, they do like, like I was just checking. It's funny. I was looking into like how long the CW controlled Plymouth Rock because that's, that's one of the things that I've written that I thought that I would love. Teens in space. <laughs> give another shot. Um, and I think they, they retain the rights for something like 18 months or, I mean, there's some time, a year and a half, two years, they, they, they control it, but then it reverts back to you. If you own the rights, Plymouth Rock is totally original. So right. that's mine. Uh, the family show was based on this British series called The Sins that Pete Postlewaite starred in. So I don't have those rights. I could not do anything right. with that. Now you, I mean, you probably have dozens of failed uh, of, projects of pilots that you've written. <laughs> not, not yes, failed, I do. Not failed because not failed necessarily because they were badly written, but failed because there's a huge chain of command that has to approve of every step of the way. And um, so right. like, I mean, like it's myriad. Yeah. So. Like, yeah, it actually I mean, does that frustrate you? You know, you know, like the, the things like Plymouth Rock. You know, uh, that one frustrates me. Um, you know, there are projects that you know I can read now and go, oh, that wasn't good enough, or that was the wrong network, or you just got get off on the wrong creative foot. There, sometimes you, by the time you hand in a script, I, 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 you almost, I can almost get a sense after I hand in an outline whether my project is going to go. I, I think in the same way. Like, you know, I see actors come in all the time and there's, you know, and I, I feel like acting, the life of a struggling actor is tough. Like they will come into my office to read and fully half the time I've eliminated them in their head, in my head before they've said a word. It's not how I oh, pictured it. We can right. sense it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, I it's not an act of lack of compassion. No, 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 no. It's just like, you know yeah. what you're looking at. There's and an it's essence. Like, and, and also just, as an actor, you just, you just. You do your job, and, right. and you know it's fine. Um, and I and very much like you can get a sense as you go through that process of pitch, outline, first draft, script. Um, you, you get a sense of where you stand on the right. The and and the, the funny order. thing is, at any moment during those, way, you can get a sense of okay, the, there's a disjunct, or it can you can get fucked another way, which is you know uh, John and 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 Rob and I. Had a, a pilot called Temp script at NBC that had a beautiful process. Beautiful. I mean, beautiful pitch that they loved and swooped up in a big buy. I mean, very few notes on anything. The one page of the outline and the notes that they gave were actually good, made the thing better. Even the notes on the draft, we turned in a draft and it was like a week or two early and they're like, we have no more notes. This is great. Right, and, that, and then Bob Greenblatt hired. Right. And boom, he comes in and he doesn't want to do a show about 20 somethings. So beautiful process and you just get fucked by fate. Right. For nothing you could control. Right. So it can, many ways to get fucked in Hollywood. Right. (laughs) That's, that's a good book to write, I think. And and I think one of the things is just developing a, a, a taste or an appreciation for rejection, you know, just like, or not an appreciation. Appreciate. No, no, but uh, just like rejection is part of the process and you just have to let it roll off. Well, you know, know and I think there's probably different struggles because the, 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 the actor faces, and I don't know how they do it. I mean, like day to day, I mean, like going in, you know, a hundred, which is its own form of horrible because right. there's a constancy to it, you know, right. and then, and like, when is that one thing? 
And I don't know. I can't say all writer, whatever. I think part of the pain of the writer, you work on something for, you work on one thing for a period of months and then have this reject. I mean, both are horrible in their own ways, but right, the, right. the, the time well, spent developing a project for six months and then having like at the, you know, boom. Just like writers and directors, like, I mean, writers and actors, there's just so much out of your control. And so, yes. and that's something you just have to accept. Well, yeah. I mean, Dan and I, I mean, this happens fairly frequently. And I can give two quick examples, but um, a couple of years ago, um, Dan and I spent a couple months developing a zombie show, like yeah. a zombie <laughs> yes. apocalypse show, and we were ready to take it out, and a day or two before we were set to take it out, Frank Darabont sets up The Walking Dead at AMC, and... There goes two months. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean we did kind yeah. of pitch it around a tiny well, bit. Well, we pitched it, it, we pitched it one, we pitched it at... Oh, we pitched it at Fox and Sci-Fi, but you knew there wasn't going to be room for a lot of zombie apocalypse shows. And then I fell in love with, uh, I I fell in love with a book last year that I still, I set in Texas, set in 1860s Texas. It's about a a Comanche half, uh, half white, half Indian Comanche chief and the, um, and the, former civil war general who sent to the west to track him down and it is a sort of five year epic struggle in west texas is violent and bloody and it would be you know it's very much um uh lonesome dove but bloodier Mm -hmm. um and and i read it you know when it was excerpted in in texas monthly and I immediately chased down the writer of this book, got the book the day it came out, read it in an instant, set up meetings, um, and, and everything felt good. And then, um, and at the end, uh, he got a, a movie offer, uh, an option for a movie with Larry McMurtry. Right, right. And like if you're gonna lose, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're gonna yeah. lose, a, lose to Darabont, <laughs> lose to McMurtry, um, particularly you know a thing about 1860s. Right, I mean, the, the, right. the Texas, great thing about yeah. it because you you called me and said you got you got to read that. I mean, like yeah, yes, I want to look at it as a project, but you also just read it because you know I love American history, and it was such a revelation. About and Larry McMurtry wrote that, uh, Lonesome that Dove time. and yeah. you know, Brookback so, Mountain. Um, yeah, um, good stuff. But uh, did you see it as a? a a TV show or a, a oh, I, I wanted it as a series. Yeah, I wanted it as a series. Like, I, I mean, I felt like possibly it stars because it would have been as bloody as their other shows, right, right. and um, uh, and I think it would have been actually fit into Albrecht's formula there, which right. appears to be for some reason period very rich, you know, tap milieu, but but bloody and sexy. sexy and and I did yeah, even yeah. I, I even had a conversation with him about it before I had the. Option, and they said, "Well, the trouble is, we make so much of our money on foreign financing, and westerns ah, yeah. aren't great uh-huh. sellers foreign, which is odd to me. Like, I don't understand why the European, like, we love castles and swords here. <laughs> right, we right, didn't right, have any right. of those. Um, what's wrong with <laughs> yeah, cowboys I guess that's and Indians? True. I because I, I mean, is there? I wonder why that is. Is it because there's sort of a, a can be a lack of glamour about the West? It seems kind of dusty and a bit uh, yeah, I don't know. underbellyish. Uh, you know, what's the what's the there's is there any glamour? I don't know what that is. Um, so, you, are you the not interested in writing features then? Oh, I, I am. I am interested in writing features, and I and I one you of the have, reasons by the way I I barely, but I have, and 
you know, when I moved to Texas, I thought, well, this is what I will dip my toe into a bit more. And, um, and one of the things that I know is I have so much more cachet as a television writer. Right. Executives in town know me. I have a track record as a mm-hmm. television writer. And certainly I get good meetings and, but I, it's, I, I do have to start on a lower rung. Uh, right. As a feature writer, than I do now as a television writer, and well, here's just throwing out just spitballing. Mm-hmm. What if movie romantic comedy? The the only girl that you can't if you can't even remember it. You can't you can't remember the only girl he wants is the only one he needs. No, is that was that it? Did I get it? Did I kill it? It's I killed close. it. This is the 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 movie tagline for uh, a movie that I wrote. Drive Me Crazy. Drive Me Crazy oh. with Adrian Grenier. And Grenier. I, I think they saddled you uh, Melissa with a Joan. marketing campaign. Uh, it was... It was I, I've heard you guys... I, I think when you, your first week when you were filling in for Kevin talk about bad movie posters, I, I think you were talking about Overnight Delivery. Yes, oh, yes, right, yes, right, right. yes. And I guarantee you Drive Me Crazy would give <laughs> Overnight Delivery a run for its I'm money. I'm seated in your house. It's, it's a tough one. It's, it's atrocious. You, you know, two... Pictures where the actors clearly aren't on the same well, continent. She's meant to be ha- hanging off of his shoulder in a, or kind of as in loving way, like I'm your girlfriend, except that they weren't photographed together and yes. before photoshopping. And it's, that, it's, it's <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> and that's gotta be frustrating, you know, you spend that time. But what was writing. the tagline? Did, you, did I get it right? I, what if the only girl? You're the one who says it to me all the time. <laughs> I, the only, <laughs> it's the only, it's the only girl. No, I'm missing the, like, the, the alleged kind of twit. The only girl, the only girl he wants is the only one he needs. Or right. it's something like that. Something. They really like killed you with that. It, see, Dan has spent years breaking story in my house and when, whenever we're stuck, he, he says, what what if? Just bear with me one moment. What if the only girl he needs? Uh, so that is that is a ten year running joke, and it and it never gets old. Uh, I mean, one thing I I don't think people understand is that you as a, a TV producer have so much more creative control than you as a, a feature film screenwriter. Right, right. Medium. Yes, and and, and that's got to be attractive as well. I do. I I I love the speed of. Television, I, um, I love the control that you have as a showrunner. I mean, you really, I mean, you get to cast it. You, you hire the directors. You, um, are the final person cutting it. Uh, yes, you're dealing with a myriad of notes and, uh, and you can't say that you wholly own it, but I think it's as close as a writer gets to controlling a, a finished prod, uh, product as anything is being a showrunner. Um, so I do love that. And, you know, you know, when I, when I moved back to Texas, I had written a, um, uh, this pilot of four stars about a fictional rock band in Austin, Texas that would have tracked them, um, sort of from formation of the band through stardom. And I was going to use South by Southwest as sort of a, a marking spot for each season. So, right. Each season finale would end at South by Southwest. So in year one, they sneak into like a Thursday seven o'clock uh, showcase. You know, by year four, they're headlining uh, the festival, and and that's a show that you know stars would do a ten episode order. Normally, it would have shot in my hometown. I could have written most of the episodes and cut it there where I lived. That's that was, and it looked good when I when I yeah. was in the moving truck. We thought that was going to go, and right. once again, you know, a new network president coming in and shifting direction. 
Uh, Regime change has been has looking been, bad for us, and it's, yes. and it's been you know it, it, we're not the only that is a that is a routine way that you get fucked in because regime change happens all the time. It's been bad for us at NBC. It does. So just on, on every pitch, do you have like four years mapped out? Um, on that project, I did. On that project, it, it, it was such a passion project. For the first, I did a whole. I did a hand. I did a booklet, like a Kinko's bound booklet mapping out i had the budget figured out <laughs> for that show i had um i had five seasons of the show yeah, a lengthy yeah, yeah. character it was the most prepared i've ever been for a pitch and what was weird about that pitch is the most i've ever prepared them and and certainly the information that i brought into it was probably the best i had and i felt like i fumbled my it was like the worst verbal because you're really good, even I just wrote flyer. You're a really good pitcher. So that was that. If, I don't, I don't remember that. But yeah, I, you're a good pitcher. So I, that's weird. I mean, I really, I came out of it thinking that I had blown it. Um, and stars took a, a week getting back to me. But when they finally got back to me, they thought that I had known I had sold it in the room. Um, <laughs> which I so far because that show I went. One of the great things about it, and I think one of the things that lent to sort of a five-year plan, which which has not always been oh, Veronica Mars, that was definitely a season one plan. Right. Um, you didn't was, you didn't have it mapped out beyond that? No, no. I and and not only did I not have it mapped out, but about halfway through the season one of Veronica Mars, um, the network called me and said, "So, what is the season two mystery?" and which I is was a great of, call to hear. Get it, right? it is. It was a great call to get. Um, I knew. I knew it created a lot of issues because, you know, I got to build the season one mystery by casting our series regulars as the people who were integral to the mystery, and and it w- felt like such a weird thing to try to. And all those same characters are involved in it. In right. season yeah, two, yeah, it was right. it was very tough, and and I think I and those Veronica Mars episodes were the toughest things to break because detective shows are hard just to do a case of the week but to do a case of the week and a and case of the season right so i i had this little mini fantasy world where hey after season one we won't have an arcing mystery we'll just do <laughs> it'll just be an episode of the and i and i'm still not entirely convinced that that wouldn't have been right like and maybe a, yeah 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 well, like it term becomes like a procedural then and then or, there's ways that uh sorry go ahead or possibly like yeah, I know. Like Friday Night Lights would rotate cast members out every couple years, but and we did bring in some new people. But really, going a little more wholesale with the, like, yeah, building the season two mystery and our series regulars for season two are the people who fall into that mystery. Yeah, but right, but right, by right. that time, you know, people fall in love with certain characters and to to, to and you like them as people and. Um, so, uh, it, it was, and there's ways that production can fuck you over, which often happens. And I was down on, uh, sort of on set producing on Veronica Mars. And, uh, I can see Marty wants to jump in with a question, but I'm going to say something now. No, no, I'm just saying. Um, so, but I do remember, and this is just a minor example, but I, but it was funny. You never told me about it, but I guess at the time it caused some consternation. There's a scene, I think it's in season two. Where, uh, there's a corpse on the beach from an Adam Bitterman and on his hand is written the name Veronica Mars. In the script, and, and I'm not saying this defensively, just like these are the sort of things you can't necessarily anticipate. In the script, it didn't say how it was written. We probably should have checked, to be fair, just to double check because we were very – all these things had to be precise. And it ended up being done in block lettering, which looked like a – you know, like 
a warning to some, right. or something like that. So what we didn't realize is that you admitted to be like that guy had and casually he, jotted it down on right. his hand to remind himself of it. Right. But, like <laughs> I had imagined him like on the phone with one hand and writing Veronica's name and like, and instead it, it I got those dailies and it was like, Oh God. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, it was a big well, block. They, it looked they, like they a couldn't big, just get a in, quick insert shot. Did, like, did, how did we do did yo, you, what I did is you all went in and rebroke it. So it would work for that oh. kind of thing. Because I mean, it, you're probably right in retrospect, but I tell you, the show was just so, like, packed and moving so fast, and visual effects were not, like, all the rage. It was this Adam big Bitterman has one this crane very... shot and the hands coming in. It just... He's got such a distinctive, you know, hand. Well, I don't even know if it was and... as... We probably could have done it, but it was something about the shot, and anyway, it just ended up... And so that's why, like, the shows, the precision that one has to do to really get things right is amazing, because, you know, again, we probably should have checked on that at the same time. It's just one of those things, like, you just interpretation. I mean, I, yeah, we, I, I think there are things like, like in Lost, you know, you, you like... We'll make the pilot really cool, and then all of a sudden you're you're stuck with right. it for six seasons or whatever. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I did. The thing I'll say about I, I did know going into season one of Veronica Mars, I knew who did it. I, I knew how the crime yeah. was committed, yeah. and so it was just all season long. It was just a matter of protecting that. And did, so, did yeah, everyone on the staff know? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we know. We yeah. knew who we were building to, and then so you are constantly thinking, okay, how do you develop a red herring? How do you have clues? Um, because, you, you know, you want to find that sweet spot between, you know, when you reveal it at the end, you don't want it to be the person where everyone's going, of course that's the guy. Right, it had right, to be right, the guy. Right. And yet you don't want to, you know, have it be, you know, the guy uh, standing in the corner of a shot, you know, in episode right. three. You right. you want it, you want people... It's it trying makes to find sense, that, but yeah. still be surprised. You know, Harry Hamlin was the, the killer in season one and, uh, and there was a scene that we shot in which, uh, Veronica was over at Logan's house and Harry Hamlin playing Logan's dad drives her home and they have a conversation in the car. It's a little awkward, but we have the shot of him patting her on the knee as she gets out of the car and they're like, that was like the trick is, is that too much? Will that make your hand? Will the audience, when they see that, will they put that together? Right. And it was a shot that I really, you know, had to debate. Is this the clue they, the audience deserves? Right, you know, right. or will it ruin it um, at the end? And, and I remember, the, the, wasn't there early on in, the, in and I can't, I remember because one of the things when we were, when we were breaking that mystery, the, the overall, is I remember one of the big images we had in our head was, was Jake Kane throwing her body off the cliff into the water. And was it? Off a boat. I think it was started with because I remember you you were talking about it was started with a cliff and then it became a boat and it, then it was she was in the water which was in the pilot but then was changed out right or right that, it, the the network thought it was too gruesome yeah that she was her bloated body right I mean we have really interesting shots like that should have been on the DVD extras because we have Amanda Seyfried underwater in and we shot it in like a hot tub but <laughs> but it's her you know with underwater cam with all this seaweed and her eyes wide open in there and lifeless and it was i thought a really affecting shot um at the end of the day though it we ended up going back to that scene where veronica find finds the body that we could have never done had we kept it yep. it ended up working to our benefit that the network made us change that even though i really did like the, the shot we had. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it weird that she, seeing her like as a like a giant movie star now? It's cool. I mean, she was. I, it. She's it great. was such a I mean, revelation. She did. You know what's 
I feel she came in and read for Veronica, and there was something that didn't feel right about her. And when when she came in and read for Lily, it, it was like her and no one else. I, I mean, there were it, it, and when we started writing she was just supposed to be the dead girl i thought maybe we'd see her once or twice in a little bit of flashback and she was just so unbelievably good and you know the person you could put next to Kristen, and and Kristen wouldn't dominate you know right. all, I mean, all just... the time she the, there's an early episode in which logan and and Duncan and Veronica and Lily all go to the prom together in a limo, and right. yeah. she's so she's so good in it that she ended up getting a ton of material for being the dead girl. Right, the f- flashbacks became sort of a bit of a stock and trade there. Oh, that's like, um, and there was a ghost scene of sorts. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. We didn't do many things like that, but right. that happened. It's like the was, the yeah. body in Twin Peaks. She she ended up having a, a role in it, didn't she? Yeah, you, Laura Palmer, mm. didn't. Didn't they? I don't know. Hey, I got a, I got a quick switching of gears. Um, uh, because you were in a band in, mm-hmm. in, in Austin for quite a long time. Uh, a few so, bands, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, we wanted to. We always like to play an alternative nooner theme song, and I wanted to, right. wanted to get your uh, professional opinion of it. Yes. Uh, but James, we're going to let you pick today's alternative right. nooner from the, from the Brad Stark collection of alternative <laughs> nooner themes. Not available. On not, iTunes. not available right now. <laughs> iTunes. All right. So let us know what we're going to hear. What, what, what are you picking? I, uh, I have an affinity toward this uh, movie by the same name, uh, The Breakfast Club. We're going to go with The Breakfast Club uh, Nooner. Sort, sort of an emo oh, version. Okay. John Hughes was brought yeah. up. Yeah. Okay, here we go. We used to be oh. such good friends. Could tell each other anything. I guess it helped that we weren't really each other's types. Then one day, out of nowhere, you said, But I didn't hear you, so I was like, what? And you said, Yes. did yourself. I feel like I'm that. 17 again. <laughs> so uh, what'd you think? I, 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 I love how pants. all of them, I, I think the genius is all of them feel, and I'll, uh, they all feel like he did not spend more than 10 minutes on them. They all <laughs> feel like, in a no, good way. I, I do. I, 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 like, like they just like, there's, I've, I burst of inspiration. I'm going to throw <laughs> this down. And I've, I've done them all. Yeah, they've all been, yeah, great. they've been pretty. What I like about them is that I think m- m- so many of them pick a tiny target that's tough to hit, right. and then kind of bullseye it. Like uh, none random. of I'm saying none of them are precious. They're, they're... <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> well, God bless Brad. Hey, you know, Brad, we haven't actually gotten alternative nooner from you for a while. So you know, we're, we're, we're just saying. We're just saying. We're just saying. Uh, you played bass, right? I did. And do you still? No. 
we, <laughs> um, you want to thank you for that? coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I have not missed it at all. For for nine years of my life, it was what I did. It was my identity. I, all my friends were people from the Austin music scene. That's what I dreamed of being. And once I didn't have to carry a bass amp anymore, <laughs> I did not miss it a bit. And and there's no you have no. I mean, maybe better bass players than I uh, want to sit down at home and play the bass. Jam. <laughs> uh, but it's an instrument you kind of need a band to play, particularly if you're playing eighth notes on the root. You know, like do 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 do. There's just no. Um, you can play guitar too, right? I can play a, a little bit of guitar. I broke, you know, I broke my hand, hand, my finger. You can see his fingers yeah. are like what would you say? It's quite a degree there. Yeah, and they so that, they they that, fixed it so I can't bend it anymore. And this happened, you know, in my early 30s. So I haven't gone to the, all the trouble of relearning how to make. Like I can I can get I can I can play songs, but. This is really screwed but the me pinky up. Finger would Any, kind of, yeah. Right. Anything yeah. I used to use a pinky on is now screwed. Though I, you know, Tommy Stinson was sort of my bass player idol, and you know, any I didn't want to write any bass line that you couldn't, you know, play on stage with, you know, a six pack in you. Um, <laughs> so they were never particularly complicated. And he's the the bass player for the Placements. Yes. Yeah. Were you kind so, of the Paul McCartney of your band? No. <laughs> Paul was oh, yeah. talented. I, 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 I want to give us a good like tour story. Or I, I wrote, uh, I wrote the lyrics. That was really. I right, mean, right, I right. had a, my buddy and I wrote all the songs. I wrote the lyrics. That was the. I wanted to be Elvis Costello again. I didn't have the talent to do that. Okay. I'll, yeah, there were. The band was a fun time. I'll give you one story about life in the on the road because we, you know, we were. Uh, we were a six-piece band, later five-piece band, and we, you know, we had the quintessential, you know, beat-up van, uh, and we would, you know, we would head out many, many weekends, you know, two or three weekends a month. We would go and, you know, play Dallas or Fort Worth. We'd play Baton Rouge, Houston, New Orleans, some, and those were like great weekends as a twenty. Five year old, you know, out with your band, but we were also playing, you know, we were playing for a hundred dollars, you know, we were like an opening <laughs> split six ways, but six ways. And so, you know, it was always, you know, you, you know, the great thing is you got free beer and it was a, you know, a joy, you know, like if we could pay for, like we never made any money in the band, but if we could pay for, you know, our four track demo recording and our, uh, and the gas for our van and the motel six room, we were all pretty happy. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little earlier about my, the rock, uh, the rock band pilot I wrote. And I actually opened with this scene that came straight out of, uh, my life, my experience. But we had played a show in Fort Worth and, uh, and I had, I had a lot to drink. And, and the next thing I, you know, I remember playing the show and the next thing I, remember is there's like a train going by my head and it's it's a hundred degrees in texas and our van is parked and i'm still in the back of the van just sticky and gross and hung over and feeling like death and there's literally a train going by the motel and that's how i wake up and i sort of crawl out of the van you know and you know like puke 
walking to the office of the motel <laughs> and you know we're I have no idea where the rest of the band is. I know that they left me there. <laughs> um, Puke and motel go so well together. And so I go to the front desk and uh, I say, um, yeah, band came in last night. Do you know what room they're in? And person's I just came in this morning. I, I don't know. And I said, well, I, can you tell me where if Greg McCormick, what room he is? He's not checked in. So I go down the list of all the <laughs> members of the band, and none of them have checked into the, ho- into the motel. And then I have this epiphany, and I ask, is Rob Thomas checked <laughs> in? My wallet is gone. <laughs> so they've checked in with my credit card. I'm, I want to kill somebody <laughs> by this point. And I, I say, okay, well, read, ring Rob Thomas's room, please. Uh, I'm sorry. They have a do not disturb <laughs> on the room. Now, in the uh, in the fictional version of this, uh, the this character is the drummer, and he goes out and sets his trap set up in the parking lot, and just begins banging until people come to the uh, uh, to the door. And in that the is not what I did. Version. Uh, I've seen your head explode. Did yeah. your head explode? I, it, it, <laughs> it did explode, yeah, but I can't explode. remember how. You know, there were no cell phones. I couldn't right, ring right, right, right. anyone. You, you faxed them. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up in just a couple minutes because I know you, you got a plane to catch. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, I, I have uh, I, you know Marty, unless you had any other poignant questions. I think we, uh, Tom, we were going to just check in. Thank the motel. Um, we have Thomas two seconds in. to call in. I really one hundred. Reach back. Be sure the lines are from my wall. Jam. Yeah. Uh, jam. So jam, we apologize. Uh, this show will drop on iTunes on Tuesday. Yes, um, I know a lot of people have been asking about that. And that's, yeah. uh about why it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a network decision, and we support yeah, them. That's the yeah. way they want it. We like it. Um, so, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, final words to I'm our... such a, a fan of the show. I'm glad oh, well, to be here. Thank you. And uh, you're on the Twitter, right? Do you tweet a lot? <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm the worst tweeter. Um, I Yeah. I am, I'm Slave Rat 1. Uh, but Is I, there a Slave Rat 0 that you really hate right now? No, but no. No, here's the thing. I fucked up. I meant to get Slave Rat, and somehow I got it and forgot the password or something and couldn't get back into it. So I think somehow I do own Slave Rat and Slave Rat 1, but I don't know how to find Slave Rat. Dan well, owns the the Slave Rat, Rat 2 through 10, just, you know, just in case I want to sell them to you. Uh, I do still own, by the way, Bush for president.com, though I'm a Democrat. But, but, I thought, but I thought you had like Jeb Bush 08. I thought that was. No, no, it was Jeb Bush for president. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good one. But it might be .org. I can't remember. In any case, I don't think you could do that anymore, so I, I can't. I would just have to give it to them. I don't no. think you could squat. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, not this time around. Uh, yeah, you took an Oh, no, no. Break. I was okay. going to say thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks Please, so much. Uh, if you enjoy the show, leave a review on the iTunes. Um, yeah, you can send us an the- email at. Uh, what is it? Was it Nooner, Nooner, I thought you had it. Nooner, Nooner Podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. Com. On Twitter, or, at Nooner Dan Marty. I'll let Dan. Yeah, that, well, you did, less, I was going to let you do it, and then you didn't have the thing. I, I had it right there. there. 
Rob, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much to the gang here, as always. <laughs> yes, I love you, show. Thank you, James. We will see you live. It is actually, uh, it's, it's yeah. been fun to meet James, though we haven't officially met, but <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've heard so much James. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, right. It's like right. meeting the, the radio celebrity that uh, you don't know. Is he uh, as uh, butch as you had in your mind's eye? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we all thought. Totally butch. Brilliant. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll see everybody next Friday live, right. 12 p.m. I'm, Pacific. I'm going to be fair today oh. uh, on the way out. <laughs> 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 I'll dig it myself here. And by the way, Marty, <laughs> fluctuations. Ah! <laughs> fluctuations. <laughs> fluctuations, Marty. Fuck you white people, too. <laughs> All right. Good night, kids. Are we this has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.